0: Let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, you have called us to make disciples of all the nations. And Lord, we lift up Belarus and India and Brazil. Lord, thank you for these churches planted. Pray that the gospel would spread rapidly through these churches and many disciples would be made. Lord, when you were here on earth, you welcomed children and showed us how, and I thank you for Tony and Tavanya and so many gospel partners who welcome children each week. Lord, stir on hearts of those who'd like to be a part of a team, like to get to know you and and to partner with parents to to disciple children and gather them together. May children um, be welcomed in this place. Lord, when you were here on earth, you invited 12 to be with you, and so we're here today to be with you, to look at you, and to learn from you, and we pray for some this would be the day that that perhaps their eyes are open and come to believe in you, and that all of us would would have a great chance to spend with you today, and Lord, you call 12 not only to be with you, but to be a part of a team, and may this be a time where where we're encouraged by being here with others who want to know you. And then, Lord, you you sent them out to preach, and I pray that you would fill us so full of you that we would have to tell others about you this week. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to start with a correction from last week. I was listening to last week's message, and I had said that there are 24 chapters in the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. I stand corrected. We are finishing a series today called Marvel at Jesus, and what we've been learning is the word marvel means to be filled with wonder or amazement, and I've had a really good time. I've been reading through John like many of you have, but this week I was also reading in Matthew, and I didn't realize how often the word marvel is in the Bible, and so I was reading in Matthew 15, and so the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking the cripple restored, and the lame walking, and the blind sing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And when I saw that, I thought, we get to see that happen all the time, don't we? Because every time someone comes to faith in Christ, what do we see? Mute people who used to not talk about Jesus, beginning to speak about Jesus. The mute talking, and the crippled and the lame walking people who weren't doing good works, getting up and beginning to do good works, and the blind seeing that people who who hadn't seen Jesus, and now they do. Uh, Jesus is marvelous. We have spent the whole month looking at a series of messages. We haven't really endorsed these Marvel movies, but we think they all tell the story, and, and if we know the story of the movies, that can help us share the gospel with others and connect with others. And so the first week we looked at Power Up, and we looked at Spider-Man, and then we looked at the power to defeat villains and the Black Panther, and then last week we looked at the power to transform, just we looked at Ant-Man, and today we're going to look at the power of team with a a clip from Avengers movie, and what we're going to see is together, everyone accomplishes more, together everyone accomplishes more. So let me set up this movie clip from Avengers a little bit. Through a series of movies we've met Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. In this clip we see them come together as a team. The power surrounding the cube is impenetrable. Thor's right. We gotta deal with these guys. How do we do this? As a team. I have unfinished business with Loki. Yeah? We'll get in line. Save it. Loki's gonna keep this fight focused on us, and that's what we need. Without him, these things could run wild. We got Stark up top. He's gonna need us to... So, this all seems horrible. I've seen worse. Sorry. No, we could use a little worse. Stuck, we got him. Banner? Just like you said. Then tell him to suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. Uh, I, I don't see how that's a party. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Listen up. Until we can close that portal, our priority is containment. Barton, I want you on that roof. Eyes on everything. Call out patterns and strays. Stark, you've got the perimeter. Anything gets more than three blocks out, you turn it back or you turn it to ash. You wanna give me a lift? Right. Better clench up, Legolas. Thor, you gotta try and bottleneck that portal. Slow him down. You and me, we stay here on the ground. keep the fighting here. And Hulk... (sighs) smash Now, some of you are just sitting back with a big smile on your face because you're saying, how in the world is he going to tie that into Jesus, right? (laughs) Did you hear about halfway through it, he said, uh, how are we going to do this as a team? About halfway through the clip, Captain America calls out assignments based on the team's gifts. Hawkeye, because of his eyes like a hawk and aiming skills, is the spotter up top. Iron Man flying and blasters are his strength, so he's sent to contain enemies in the perimeter and bring them back to the team. Thor has lightning skills, so his job is to keep more enemies from coming through the portal in the sky. Captain America and the the Widow are ground fighters, so they're fighting on the ground, and Hulk smash. He has great strength. All of them brought a special gift to the team. Thus, the point, together, everyone accomplishes more. And that's what we're going to be learning about today, how Jesus brings us together in a a body, and, and we all bring different giftedness, and together everyone accomplishes more. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't, you can follow on the screens, and we'll start reading in verse 12. For even as the body is one... And yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose on the third day. He appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. For over 40 days, he appears to his disciples. One last time, he gathers his disciples together, gives them one last command that we call the Great Commission, and he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? He, that's what we've been learning this year. He says, go and make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. And then Jesus said what? Wait, not yet. He said, wait what? Until the Holy Spirit falls. So, for a week, for a week, the, ga- the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem. And then the day of Pentecost came, a week after Jesus ascended, and the Holy Spirit fell, and the church was birthed. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only fell on a few believers. But on the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on all believers, and the church was birthed. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Not only did everyone receive the Holy Spirit, but they were all given spiritual gifts. They were all given a unique ability to come together and use to make the church more effective at making disciples. But in Corinth, like today, many people suffered from OCD. No, no, not what you think. They, 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 they suffered from obsessive comparison disorder. And some of them thought their gifts weren't important. They had nothing to contribute. And other people thought their gifts were way too important, and they looked down on others. And so instruction was given to help gifted people, to help people who all had received the Holy Spirit, how to function together as a team. For the body is not one member but many. The church is often referred to as a body. It's the body of Christ. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. So then, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Next week, we're going to focus more on spiritual gifts, but today on teamwork, on being a team, on being the body. And what this passage is saying is that the church is like a body. And all the parts matter. All the members matter. That The eye the eye needs the body to function, and the body needs the eye to see. And the hand needs the body to function as a hand, and the, and the body needs the hand to pick up things. And the foot needs the body to be able to move, and the body needs the foot to move. And in the same way, the reason it's so important for us to be together in a local church is because we are needy, needed people. We need a church so that we can discover and develop and use our gifts. And yet the church needs us because we're all gifted. We have a gift to help the body be more effective at making disciples. Thus, together everyone accomplishes more. So that's what we're going to learn about today, about teamwork, that together everyone accomplishes more. And most of our time today is going to be spent on the action step, not on learning. In our action step for this week, what we want you to do is to team up for the gospel. To team up for the gospel. Notice, first of all, it's team up for the gospel. The gospel, we've learned, is the power of God for salvation. It's the power to transform people. And the gospel is so great that it's worth teaming up for. Of course, then we ask, well then, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. When I think of the gospel, I, I think of this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The word gospel means good news, but it contains bad news. And here's the bad news, the world is broken. Could we agree on that? We look around, there's a few things wrong. And maybe our country's broken sometimes Sometimes you ever hear someone, maybe it's a Democrat, and they say, what's wrong with this country is what? Those Republicans. And then you hear a Republican, and they say what? What's wrong with this country is what? Those Democrats. But do you ever hear anyone say, what's wrong with our country? I am. You ever hear anybody say about a church, what's wrong with our churches? I am. Do you realize that's what the Bible says? The Bible says we're all broken people. We're all a part of the problem. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word sin means we've all committed crimes against God. That when we lie, that when we steal, when we don't honor our parents, these are primarily crimes against God. And every one of us has committed crime after crime against God, and we're in big trouble because God is just... And he says what we deserve for what we've done is hell itself. Here's the bad news. The world is broken because people are broken. Here's the bad news. We've all sinned. Here's the bad news. We are so bad, only a Savior could save us. Did you hear that? Religion says something different. Religion says you're not that bad. You're not, if you just try a little harder, you can save yourself. But the gospel says, no, we are so broken, our only hope is someone from the outside would save us. What do you believe? Here's the good news. There is a Savior. There is a Savior who came into the world to save sinners like you and me, who came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. For God so loved the world that he sent an inspired rabbi into the world to say, you guys are doing pretty well, just try a little harder. That's what many people think, isn't it? But it's not what the Word says. The Word says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth because we couldn't save ourselves. So God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life for us, went to the cross, took our sins upon Himself. Now let's stop here all of our sins placed on Jesus, there are people in this room who wonder, could I be forgiven for what I've done? God the Son took our sins upon himself and died in their place. Yes, you can be forgiven. There's other people in this room that say, sure, I've done a few things wrong, but they weren't that bad. I want you to look at what Jesus experienced on the cross. And what Jesus experienced on the cross is what we deserve because of our crimes toward God. Our sins were placed on Jesus. He died a horrific penalty. Uh, He died a horrific death for us. But he didn't stay dead. He, He rose on the third day. And that means that no matter what we've done, we can be forgiven. Because death is the penalty for sin, and since sin had been paid for in full, Jesus walked out of the tomb conquering sin and death, offering us forgiveness and eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him, notice, shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life means the moment we believe in Jesus, we are forgiven of all of our sins. And not only that, but the moment we believe in Jesus, not only are we forgiven, but the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we have supernatural power to do life on earth with Jesus and for Jesus. The Holy Spirit enables us to do life with and for Jesus, and then we're given the opportunity to do eternity with and for Jesus. And our part in getting eternal life is to believe in Him. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life and I think some of you would say, but doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? And we love to say it's as simple as A, B, C that we admit, believe, and commit. We admit we're sinners. Have you ever done that? Lord, it's not just the world that's broken. I'm broken too. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Not just for the world, you died for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. Jesus, I could never save myself, so I want you to forgive me, and I want you to give me eternal life. (laughs) It's to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Today my rebellion against God ends. Today I surrender, and as you lead, I'll follow you. Won't you? And if you've done that, if you've done that, I want you to know you have been forgiven of all of your sins, And not only that, you've been given the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. The water that's poured over us on baptism symbolized the washing away of all of our sins and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. So our action step this week is, We want to team up for the gospel. We want to believe in the gospel. And when we believe in the gospel, we're not only forgiven, but we're given the Holy Spirit. But then we want to team up for the gospel. And you say, well, what does that look like to team up? Isn't isn't God our model for teamwork? You ever think about that? I mean, a team is one, yet many, isn't it? Isn't that what a team is? A team has unity and diversity, right? And so what do we believe about God? That we believe that God is... One, right? But we believe there are three persons in God, right? That, that, that there is one God made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And our model for teamwork is that God loved us so much that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit worked together as a team to save us, didn't they? How about the baptism of Jesus? The baptism of Jesus, we have God the Son and He's being baptized, isn't He? And then we have what? We have the Father, the voice out of heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit, what? Descending on Him as a dove. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to save us. And then we look at the life of Jesus, and what do we see? The, the, the Son is always following the Father, right? He's following His directions, and the Holy Spirit's at work in His life. Listen, helping Jesus to follow the Father, isn't it? And then we get to the cross. And what do we see? We see the Spirit is strengthening Jesus. Jesus is burying our sins. And the Father is crushing His Son in our place. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together as a team to save us. That's our model. So we want to team up for the Gospel. God is our model. We want to team up so that we have a place to belong. For many of us, when we came to faith in Christ, our, our former friends said, listen, we don't want to be around you anymore. And many of us have had family members who've pushed us away because of our faith in Christ. And one of our deepest longings is, where do I belong? Where do I belong? And as Christians, we don't belong in our culture, But we do belong in the church. Did you hear what we read for by one spirit? We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. All the things that matter out there don't matter in here. Listen, ethnicity or race, it doesn't matter, right? Whether slaves are free, economic status, all the things that divide people, don't us. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Don't you know what we all have in common? Don't you see? We're all forgiven in Christ. We've all been baptized by the same Spirit. This is where we belong. It isn't great to have a place to belong. Do you ever feel like you don't belong in our culture? You're not meant to, but this is where we belong. Kind of like the Avengers, after all that fighting, they had a great place just to belong. We won. (sighs) All right, hey, all right, good job, guys. Uh, Let's just not come in tomorrow, let's just take a day you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. But is, isn't that Sunday morning? Isn't it? Do, you, do you ever feel like you're involved in a fight? And, and there's a time where we come and we belong. And the bread of life is served here and we eat it together. And living water is served here and we eat it together. Isn't, isn't that a wonderful time? Oh, man, Sunday night, my small group meets, it's so good. We gather together and we open up the Word together. And it's where I... Belong, and it's where we're refreshed, aren't we? We're refreshed because so much of life is fighting. And belonging is so important because it's very important that we care for each other. Did you hear verse 26? And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Now, how would we know that someone is suffering? I want you to know that our member care plan is to get people in a group of 10 where we meet regularly together and when someone in your circle of tennis in the hospital visit them. And if you're in the hospital, they'll visit you because they'll know you're suffering. And if something good is happening in their life, maybe their daughter is in a dance recital or their son is playing football, why not go as a, as a small group and do it together? And if one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. The way Jesus cares for us is through one another because we are his body. And that's why it's so important that we, have a, uh, that we team up for the gospel, a place to belong, and it's a place to be equipped, a place to be equipped. I'm having lunch with a guy this week, and he's fascinated. It was 50 years ago when, when we landed on the moon. Some of us in this room were alive then. But he said he was reading that there were 400,000 people on the team that put two people on the moon. Did you hear that? There were 400,000 people at the bottom of the pyramid working to put two people on the moon. And when I was having lunch, when he said that, it just reminded me it reminded me of Mike Fleming, who is a retired brigadier army general. Mike Fleming was speaking to our small group leaders one night, and, 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 and it just struck me as exactly what this person was saying. Mike was sharing with us that, um, that the Air Force and the Marines look like a pyramid. They look like a pyramid. They are a platform-centric fighting machine. And and that is, they care for their sailors, and they care for their airmen, but all the people work to support the platform. In the Air Force, the platform is the jet in the air. That's the platform. In the Navy, the platform is the aircraft carrier. And everything is designed to support the platform to fight. Um, With me so far? they're platform centric fighting machines and then mike said but in the but in the army or the marine corps you have to flip you have to flip the pyramid like like this because he said in the in the army in the Marine Corps that they are soldier or marine centric fighting machines. And all the officers and all everything in the military is designed to equip the soldier and the marine to fight because it's a soldier centric, it's a marine centric fighting service. Um, <laughs> And then Mike had a great quote. He said that Marines and and Army uh, soldiers say you don't own it till you walk on it. You don't walk on it. You don't own it till you walk on it. I mean you can bomb them from the air, but you don't own the property till you walk on it. Then you own it. And then Mike went on to say, and this was so good, he says, a lot of churches, a lot of churches are platform-centric. And that is, that you kind of have the pastor who's up at the top and says, listen, we can make disciples, you can help us. It's kind of like you can help me and the professionals make disciples. But no, no, what we want to be is what we want to be is disciple-making centric. What we want to be is that you can make disciples and we can help you. You can do it. You see where I am on this? This is where I am. The Bible says that God gave pastor teachers to equip God's people for the work of service. So the body is built up. This is where I am. This is where the elders, our staff, our small group leaders are trying to equip everyone to make disciples where we live, work, and play. People say, "Well, Well, what's our plan? What's our plan for reaching our community? You're the plan. We don't own it till we walk on it. Our plan's not to fly over a new development with a helicopter and drop leaflets into it. It's that we would make disciples where we live, work, and play. You can do it, and we can help. Isn't that what we read in the Bible? The Apostle Paul writes in uh, 2 Timothy. Look at this verse. Paul writing to Timothy, one of his disciples, the things which you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Isn't that what Jesus did? You see, Jesus was here and he picked 12 guys and he discipled them and told them to go and make disciples who would make disciples until the world is one. And in the same way, there are four generations in this verse. Do you hear the four generations? You start with Paul, right? Right. And what he says is the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Now notice this, that when Paul was discipling Timothy, it wasn't alone. It was with other other witnesses. And then I want you to turn around, and I want you to hand these to faithful men who will turn around and hand them to others also. You know why most of you sleep on Sunday morning when you're here? as you think i'm never going to use this but you know what changes that when you realize that you come on sunday morning to be equipped for a mission and what you hear becomes you're responsible to to go and give it away then all of a sudden you lean in because you're being equipped so that we can make disciples where we live work and play right listen when we come to worship when we come to small group, we're coming to be equipped so that we can then go and make disciples where we live and work and play. To team up for the gospel means that God is our model. We team up to belong, to be equipped, and we, we team up to fish for men, to fish for men. Um, remember when Jesus called Andrew and Peter and James and John? Remember what he said? He said, follow me and I will make you... Say it loud, be confident. He says, fishers, right? He didn't say what? A fisherman. Do you hear the difference? One is plural, one is singular. When Jesus called Andrew and Peter and James and John, they were not Americans fishing with a rod and reel, they were fishing with a net. When the lights came on to me, I was in Haiti. I was in Haiti running on a beach. The only safe place was the beach, one minute each way, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm watching these Haitians fish, and they're fishing with a net, and like the light come on. Oh, oh, we fish together, just like them. Imagine a whole church of fishermen where we came to be equipped to fish together. And so what we want to do as a church is, I want to equip you to know how to fish. And so here's ways that we can fish, starting with our lives. Our lives, and especially our lives together, are part of reaching our community. We are given the Holy Spirit when we come to faith in Christ. And one of the reasons we're given the Holy Spirit is to form Jesus Christ in us. The Holy Spirit gives us the desire and power to follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we become more and more like Him. And when we do, then our lives begin to look like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I believe everyone where we live, work, and play, if we ask them, what do you want most in life? Every one of them would list one, if not all three of the first three fruit of the Spirit, wouldn't they? If you ask people, what do you want in life, what would they, wouldn't they say what? Love, joy, peace. What if they saw that in you? I mean, look at that love, joy, peace. How about patience, kindness, goodness? Don't we hear that people talk about a lack of civility in our culture today? Wouldn't we really stick out, wouldn't we, if we were more like Jesus and we were, we were filled with patience and kindness and goodness? How about faithfulness? Wouldn't that open conversations, wouldn't it? That if you showed up for work every day or, or when you were scheduled for kids' ministry, you were there and you were early, listen, that you kept your word, wouldn't you stand out? Wouldn't people ask, what's going on? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, As we follow Jesus, we're going to become more like him. But I want you to see these qualities, and and don't think in terms of having more love than lost people, Uh, more joy than lost people. No, no, all we need to do is have more love today than yesterday and the day before. What we need is more faithfulness today than we had yesterday and the day before. Because when people see Jesus changing us, That's what opens up opportunities for the gospel. So there's the witness of our lives. That's really powerful. Next, there's the witness of the Word. If we're going to fish and fish together, it involves the Word. Notice Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Our lives are, are, are powerful, but they will never share with people the bad news and the good news and the need for receiving Christ, that's why we need to use words and to use the Word of God. That's why we tried to put together in a simple way the gospel that you hear every week so that you could go and, and you could share the word with them. You could share the gospel with them. Sometimes when we share the gospel with someone, uh, they need more. What a great opportunity for us then to invite them to come and see Jesus with us. Hey, why don't we get together and read through John together? We can just read a few verses, and I'd love to help you come and see Jesus. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Another great way with the word is to invite someone to worship with you, and better yet, to bring them with you. Because there is the witness of our lives, and that's important, and there's the witness of the word, both what we share with them and read with them, but coming and hearing it. But there's a third powerful witness, the witness of the body the witness of the body. Listen to what Jesus said. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. See the word one another? We're learning this year a disciple has three great loves. One of them is one another. And when the Bible says one another, it's talking about in the church. If your life is full of love and joy and peace, some people will look at you and think you're just a uniquely nice person. But when they come and there's a whole body filled with people with love, they said, there's something in this place I want. The witness of the body was so powerful for me to enter into a group of people who loved each other. And I said, I don't know what these people have, but whatever it is, I want it. And listen, I, I learned the importance of inviting, but, but beyond inviting of bringing, in this uh, series of messages. When I watched all 12 movies, I had never watched a Marvel movie and I was so lost. And I thought, that's what someone feels like when they come to church for the first time. They have no idea the story or the characters. And I want you to know I would have given anything to have Ed Taylor sitting next to me because he knows all the stories and all the characters. Who is this? What are they doing? Where do they come from? Do you know what that would have done to my learning curve? Oh, man, when you bring someone with you, when you sit with someone, wow, um, why do we stand up? Why do we sit down? Why do we sing? Why do they pass a basket? What an opportunity for you to be making disciples while we worship together. Better yet, you bring them and you go out to lunch after and you talk about what you heard. Because fishing with a net means we use our lives. It means we use the word. It means we use the body together. All three are so much more powerful than any one of them alone. So I'm really excited. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start a a long series, the longest of the year, and it's going to be on the one story of the Bible. The one story of the Bible. It's all going to be designed to help you understand the one story of the Bible and be able to confidently share it with others. We want to equip you so that you can make disciples where you live and and work and and play. So this this week, I want you to team up for the gospel. I want you to team up for the gospel. And that means that that God is our model, and we team up because we need a place to belong and a place to be equipped, and, and we need others to fish with us because together everyone accomplishes more. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for saving us. Thank you for showing us how to work together as a team Thank you. Listen, if you're here and you've never believed in Jesus, won't you? I mean, he's here. Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and and give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, did you hear what Jesus said? If we believe we have eternal life, won't you mark it on the card so we could celebrate with you or tell someone? When we tell others, it makes Jesus more real to us. Jesus, I pray that we would come to worship in small group for a place to belong and a place to be equipped, and that we would team up with others and we would fish together. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.